Some Gamecock fans are wanting Shane Beamer to change as far as how he goes about his press conferences. But I gotta tell y'all, I don't think that that is going to happen. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecocks Digest over on SI.com. Thank you all so much for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and where we get your audio podcasts daily. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions do apply. South Carolina obviously has not exactly had the football season that they envisioned heading into the fall here in 2023. And when a team begins to pile up more losses than they do wins, certain opinions begin to change or begin to change. Opinions about maybe the future trajectory of the football program, maybe opinions about how a certain coach is running things or going about their business. And that has happened in multiple aspects with South Carolina's fan base this fall. And some of it, in my opinion, you know, it is deserved. I'm not here to be critical again of the fan base. But one of those opinions that has changed regards Shane Beamer and how he goes about his press conferences, specifically his post-game press conferences. Now, we have discussed plenty of times before, Shane Beamer is a man that is not afraid to wear his emotions on his sleeve. And sometimes that is for better or worse. And he did this once again in his post-game press conference after South Carolina narrowly defeated the Jacksonville State Gamecocks this past Saturday afternoon. So what I want to do for y'all real quick is I'm going to play the clip of that entire portion of the opening statement that I know you all think I'm going to play. And then we're going to come back and we're going to discuss a little bit deeper. So take a listen to what Shane Beamer had to say here. So it feels great to win. Uh, there's, Like I said, there's a lot to clean up and a lot to correct. We were not um, good enough in a lot of areas today, but we are going to celebrate the heck out of this game. And we just had one heck of a celebration in that locker room, and our guys are super excited and dancing their butts off. And there are going to be people that just live a miserable existence that are going to say, why are you celebrating a 10-point win over Jacksonville State? Well, that's why you're not on a team. And that's why you're not, you're not on a lock in a locker room like that because our guys work really really hard during the week and uh, we know we need to be better starting with me I thought we coached poorly today in a lot of ways uh, so we'll be better but this game is too hard and we get 12 guaranteed Saturdays and these kids work their freaking butts off and uh, um, proud as heck of them to find a way to win uh, with a lot of the mistakes that we made so when you win you get 12 guaranteed we're not like Major League Baseball where you get 162 games or basketball where you get 40 games or 30 games we get 12 and when we win we're gonna we're gonna celebrate it and uh, that's what we did today and then we're gonna come in tomorrow and be very honest and truthful about why some of the issues happen we got a lot we got to clean up but proud of our guys and that is one happy locker room it's been a while since um, we we had a win and um and um, we're certainly going to enjoy this one. So, questions? 
So that clip right there has generated a lot of reactions, a lot of opinions from South Carolina's fan base because you've got two different sides that are beginning to form when it comes to people's overall thoughts on how Shane Beamer carries himself in his press conferences. You have one group that does not mind at all what he said in this clip because Shane Beamer in this clip is very clearly trying to get out ahead of fans that might be very hypercritical of the fact that South Carolina's football team, you know, had to do as much as they did on Saturday afternoon to defeat Jacksonville State and not focus so much on the fact that, you know, hey, this football team did finally find a way to get a win for the first time in over a month. And then you've got another group of people that might feel like that, you know, if Shane is not being more critical here, then he is allowing maybe a bit of complacency to seep in that, you know, this is something that maybe the head ball coach wouldn't have done. You know, obviously there's been a clip that's floated around of Sean Elliott, a former South Carolina offensive line coach and beloved assistant here in Columbia, who's now the head coach of Georgia State. And he ripped into himself, his coaching staff, and his entire football team after they seemingly let one slip away against an undefeated James Madison team this past Saturday, ironically enough. And so there's a lot of people who feel like that Shane Beamer should have some different rhetoric when it comes to these kind of games. A game against Jacksonville State that, again, Jacksonville State for their level of football, they're definitely a good football team. But when you're playing them as an SEC football program, unless you're Vanderbilt, or maybe even Mississippi State, the expectation is that you should be able to go out there and win that game comfortably. Not have to literally get a pick six at the end to both ice the game and potentially make sure that you don't lose the game. Because if, say, South Carolina's defense does give up a score there to Jacksonville State, a touchdown, and let them take the lead, who knows what the offense would or would not have done if they had to go back out there and get a score with just a couple minutes left in the football game. And Shane Beaver admitted himself later on that, you know, if the quarterback for Jacksonville State just throws that wheel route a little bit differently, maybe lobs it or puts a little bit of air under it, then, you know, the conversation might be a little bit different. And when you say those kind of things, then that's what makes one crowd go berserk because they're like, well, you're telling us that, you know, we're living a miserable existence if we're saying you shouldn't celebrate a 10-point win over Jacksonville State, but then you turn around five minutes later and you admit that if one or two plays had gone a different way, then you might not be talking about how you won the game on Saturday. The whole point of me bringing up all of this is to basically say that Shane Beamer is not going to change how he is. Now, I'm not here to lecture y'all on that because I've told, I've said it myself on this podcast I feel like that I would probably go about things a little bit differently if I was in his shoes. But at the end of the day, I'm just a guy with a microphone and a computer screen in front of me. I don't have a head coaching position in major college football like Shane Beamer does. I don't have to watch after 18 to 22, 23-year-old kids like Shane Beamer has to. And Shane Beamer is a guy that, you know, is going to go to bat for his players publicly. The thing that you have to understand is even if he doesn't criticize them publicly, that doesn't mean he's never doing it. I can guarantee you he probably did it on Sunday, like he mentioned he was going to in that video clip and soundbite that I just played for you all a couple minutes ago. Shane Beamer, in a way, is kind of South Carolina's Dabo Sweeney. Here's what I mean by that. You're going to either like what Shane Beamer says in press conferences, or you're going to despise it. And 
being a few years now into Shane Beamer's tenure, this is not to say that he will not change in terms of the kind of answers that he gives, in terms of the kind of opening statements that he gives, in terms of maybe his overall opinion of how games like this go. But Shane Beamer has been a coach for over 20-something years now in college football. So if he's gotten this far into his career, and this is how he is going to view games like this one, then I think what we all have to come to the conclusion of is that he is not going to all of a sudden just act differently because a certain group of people, even though it's people that he greatly values in terms of South Carolina's fans, he's not going to suddenly change how he carries himself and how he talks in these press conferences because some people are not thrilled with how he goes about them. So at the end of the day, you know, if you like what he says on Saturdays after these games are over, then that will probably continue unless South Carolina continues to lose football games, then like I mentioned with wins and losses, you know, your opinions can change greatly based on the direction of the program. But if you don't like how Shane Beamer carries himself in these press conferences, then your opinion is probably not going to change either. You probably will not ever have that opinion sway one way or another. So Shane Beamer, you know, he's an emotional man. He is going to speak his mind. He is going to always look at the bright side of things first before addressing the negatives Later, again, behind closed doors when not everybody else has cameras and eyes all looking at him. So some people are going to love it. Some people are going to hate it. Certainly have seen that with opposing fan bases outside of the state of South Carolina and obviously the upstate as well. But now you're also starting to see in South Carolina's fan base. And you know something? I don't think that's a bad thing for Shane Beamer. Again, the only thing that he needs to worry about at the end of the day is truthfully how many games he is winning. And right now, I think he understands that they're not winning enough, and even with the win last Saturday, it was not a pretty win. And he acknowledged on Sunday that if South Carolina plays that way in the last three weeks of the season, then they will lose. He acknowledged that in full. So, Shane Beamer, he's not going to change for better or worse in these press conferences. Now, I just alluded to the fact that South Carolina, they still have three games remaining on their schedule. The Gamecocks still have a chance to attain bowl eligibility as narrow as the path may be. And the first game out of this final three-game stretch is going to take place against the Vanderbilt Commodores. So what should y'all expect from the Vanderbilt Commodores? I'm going to dive into some surface-level statistics to give y'all an idea of what kind of team the Commodores will be bringing to Columbia in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Now time for your Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like quarterback Spencer Rattler, Athletic Brewing has been torching their non-alcoholic beer competitors thanks to their great-tasting non-alcoholic brews. Their brews are great-tasting and award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. The best part, above all else, is that you never have hangovers. Spencer Rattler had another great performance in Williams-Brice this past Saturday, completing 71.1% of his passes for 399 yards and two touchdowns in a win over Jacksonville State. It's his fourth 300-plus passing yard game of the season. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. 
Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily choice for South Carolina Gamecock sports coverage. Let's talk about South Carolina's upcoming opponent in the Vanderbilt Collidors. And look, I know that with South Carolina being 3-6, and six, I know with the way that they barely won against Jacksonville State this past weekend, y'all probably don't want to hear me say this, but I'm going to anyways. Vanderbilt just might be the worst football team South Carolina plays all season long. And yes, I'm including Jacksonville State and the Furman Paladins in that group. Uh, Vanderbilt has struggled mightily this season. At this point in the year, Clark Lee's squad has a record of 2-8. and eight. They won their first two games. They have lost each of their last eight. That includes six conference games. And by the way, one of those wins came against the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors back in Week 0 in Nashville, and the Commodores won by just seven points in that contest. So you could make an argument that Vanderbilt, they could be 1-9 at this point, which would just be absolute disaster for Clark Lee, and already kind of is. And the stats back up this record for Vanderbilt, both offensively and defensively. Let's start off with their offense. The Commodores, in terms of situational football, they're just not really good in any area. Third down conversion percentage, first down offense, and red zone offense, they rank in the bottom four in the SEC in each of those categories and are the worst team in the conference when it comes to red zone offense, converting just 79.9% of their red zone trips. 75.9%, excuse me, on that percentage. Now, there is one thing about the Commodores' offense that does stand out as something that, you know, could maybe give South Carolina some trouble this coming Saturday, and that is the Commodores' wide receiving core, because Vanderbilt has three receivers that have recorded 380 receiving yards or more, which is pretty decent at this point in the year for a wide receiver position group. Now, the leader of that receiving core is Will Shepard. Will Shepard has been at Vanderbilt for a couple of years now. He's quietly been one of the best receivers in this entire conference, despite how bad Vanderbilt has been over the past several seasons. He is their downfield threat. He's a guy that can do just about anything for this football team. He's caught 44 passes for 634 receiving yards and eight touchdowns on the year. So when it comes to trying to get into the end zone, Will Shepard is Vanderbilt's star playmaker. He is the guy that they look to to help score points and make their offense really thrive throughout the course of a football game. Now, Vanderbilt also has a couple of other guys that South Carolina fans might know to a certain extent. Jaden McCowan. He is a Lawrence County, South Carolina native, I want to say. And he is a much smaller wide receiver compared to a Will Shepard, but he is a speedster. He is a guy that... He can catch the football or take a jet sweep, and he can go 20-plus yards in the blink of an eye. He has caught 35 passes for 380 receiving yards and has yet to score a touchdown this season, which is a bit surprising. I wonder if that's because maybe he's been a bit dinged up. Don't know for certain, but point being, Jaden McCowan, he is a guy that's going to possess a lot of speed behind those legs. And so if South Carolina's defensive backs cannot stay in front of him on Saturday afternoon, then it could be another very long day for that Gamecock secondary. And then one of the receivers to keep in mind is Landon Humphreys. The reason I say you might recognize his name is because South Carolina offered him back in the 2023 recruiting cycle. Now, they never seemed to seriously pursue Landon Humphreys, 
but Humphreys wound up committing to the in-state Vanderbilt Commodores, and he's had a pretty decent impact for them in his true freshman campaign, catching 16 passes for 308 receiving yards and recording four touchdowns 10 games into his Commodore career. So, Vanderbilt has three legitimate receiving options that they like to throw the football to in this passing game. So, Sacramento's defensive backfield, they're going to have to be on their toes when they play Vanderbilt on Saturday. Now, the weakness in this offense is their run game because Vanderbilt's leading rusher, Cedric Shedrick Alexander, he only has 291 yards on the ground to this point in the season. I think that's like half the yards that Mario Anderson Jr. has racked up. And Mario did not even really play the first three weeks for South Carolina's football team. That should give you a pretty good idea of just how lackluster that ground game is for Vanderbilt. So they're going to live and die by throwing the football and trying to get the ball out to multiple threats on the outside. That is the Commodores offense in a nutshell. Now let's move on to the defense. You might think that it can't get any worse with Vanderbilt's defense. And Clark Lee, ironically enough, he is a defensive coordinator, was the defensive coordinator for Notre Dame before he took the job in Nashville. So one might imagine that this unit should be their best unit. It's arguably worse than their offense. Look at third down conversion defense, first down defense, and red zone defense. Vanderbilt is either the second worst or worst team in the SEC in each of those categories. Basically, Vanderbilt can't stop anybody with a pulse on offense. They just can't. Whether it's running the football or passing the football, they just cannot stop anybody based on these numbers. The Commodores have given up 31 or more points in each of their last eight games. By the way, again, all those games ended in a loss for Vanderbilt. So, if you're looking for some sort of magic number for South Carolina this Saturday, there's your magic number. If South Carolina scores 31 or more points, then they're probably going to win this football game. Because as bad as South Carolina's defense has been at times this year, their offense has obviously had their bright moments. And Vanderbilt's defense, it does not look like a defense that's going to be able to stop Spencer Rattler very much on Saturday afternoon. Maybe Mario Anderson Jr. can get going once again against this Commodore's defensive front. And not to mention, it's in Williams-Price Stadium. The Gamecocks getting a win last weekend, as ugly as it was. That will get more fans back in the stands for this weekend's contest. So, South Carolina, you know, I'll do more of an in-depth um, analysis on Vanderbilt as the week continues to progress. But point being, this is a matchup that does favor South Carolina a good deal, even though both of these teams are, again, 3-6 and six and 2-8, and eight, respectively speaking. Now, even though we've been talking a lot about South Carolina's football team, they are not playing today, but there is a program for South Carolina that will be taking the hardwood across the pond. A South Carolina's women's basketball team will begin their season today in Paris, France, against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I'm going to go over that game a little bit, but also give you all a season outlook and prediction of how I think this team is going to do this year in their first season since the Freshies left Columbia. We'll touch on all that in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is also brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, as a small business owner, you want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available out there. You need to check out LinkedIn Jobs if you feel like that maybe you don't because LinkedIn Jobs does a great job of providing you an array of candidates that can fill in positions 
for your small business. All you gotta do is add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring and utilize tools like screening questions to filter through the candidates. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry because LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you wanna talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, thank you all for tuning in to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day in just 30 minutes. Looking ahead at this upcoming season for South Carolina's women's basketball team, I think it's fair to say that this team, record-wise at least, is going to take a slight step back. But they are still, undoubtedly, one of the best teams in the entire country. Now, before I get into my sort of record prediction for the team this year, I'm going to give you all my thoughts on this team, what games that I think they could drop, and I'll give you all my quick thoughts on the Notre Dame matchup. So, the thing I like about Don Staley's squad this year is... There are clearly defined roles for a lot of these players, especially in the starting lineup for South Carolina. Raven Johnson at the point guard position, see, excuse me, she she is going to be the facilitator for this team. She is a pass-first point guard. Obviously, she's extremely dangerous in the fast breaks, and she's also very dangerous when she's able to just sort of stand there at the top of the key and have the entire court in front of her and be able to look for an open Gamecock in order to score. Tina Pow-Pow, she is a transfer from Oregon that South Carolina got this past offseason. Pow-Pow is going to be the sharpshooter for this team. She played a little bit of point guard and shooting guard for Oregon the past few years, but Pow-Pow is known for her three-point shooting ability. She shot she shot over 40% from behind the three-point line this past winter. I know, I got speech impediments that I got to work on. Bree Hall, she is the 3 and D wing for this basketball team. So she is going to be also a solid three-point shooter. I think she's always had a three-point shot in her arsenal. She's just not shown it as much because she had a bunch of players in front of her that mainly took those shots. But she's also someone that can help you out on defense. I think that she's more of a well-balanced 3 and D wing player than Bree Beal was. Now, Bree Beal, she had improved tremendously on the offensive end by the time she played her senior season this past season. But Bree Hall, I think, is going to bring a little bit more offensively than Bree Beal did throughout her time in Columbia. Sanai Fagan and Ashley Watkins. I think right now there's still a bit of a battle going on there at that four spot between both of those players. Fagan is the veteran. She's been here now Two years going into her third season, Ashlyn Watkins was a freshman last year that really impressed because of her athleticism and her ability to honestly rise above the rim. She can do things, athletically speaking, that most women's basketball players just are not able to do. So, it'll be interesting to see how the rotation is split for both of those players as the non-conference slate progresses over the next month and a half or so, but they're both athletic post players that can hit some shots from a little ways out from the basket. They're going to help out this basketball team either way this season. And then Camilla Cardoso, she is probably going to be the most important player for this team this year because she is going to be the dominant post player now that 
Aaliyah Boston has left and moved on to the WNBA. Camilla Cardoso obviously brings a lot of height, I believe being listed at six foot six or six foot seven. So she is going to get a lot of rebounds. But Camilla Cardoso, the other thing that I noticed last year, and I'm sure many of you noticed, is that she has developed a bit more touch around the rim as well. She still has her moments where sometimes she has to get her own rebound a couple times before she does hit a shot. But she also got a lot better about not having to lean on that as heavily this past season compared to two years ago. So Cardoso, she is going to be probably the focal point of this offense, if I had to guess. That would be great for South Carolina because if she gets a lot of attention, that will allow her to kick it out to players like Tahina Pow Pow, Bree Hall, Malaysia Full-Wiley whenever she's in the basketball game. It could really help South Carolina become a much more well-balanced and well-rounded offensive team in 2023 through 2024. Now, in terms of looking at this schedule, I went through each game one by one, and the final record projection that I came to was 25-4 and for South Carolina. I do think that they are going to drop four games. I originally had Notre Dame as one of those games because I saw that Notre Dame had returned each of their top three players from last year's team, and those three players combined for like 40 total points for the Fighting Irish. But then I learned earlier this weekend that Olivia Miles, she is not going to be playing for Notre Dame later this afternoon because she is still recovering from a knee injury she she suffered this past March. So because of that, I like South Carolina's chances a lot more knowing that they won't have to deal with her, even though obviously we all wish her the best in her recovery. So I think that they will beat Notre Dame because I think South Carolina is just going to have a lot more depth that's going to be able to continue to really push the envelope with the Fighting Irish over the course of 40 minutes. But I do think that this team is going to lose four games. And the thing is, I think they're mostly going to take place in the non-conference slate and away from home. So when I look at this, games against North Carolina and Utah away from Colonial Life Arena, almost said williams Bryce. Um, I think South Carolina is going to drop both those games because Utah and North Carolina, they return of a ton of experience from tournament teams that they had this past year. Uh, Deja Kelly leads that North Carolina squad. She's been a very good player in the women's college game for several years now. And Utah, I believe, was a number one or number two seed in the NCAA tournament this past spring. And they literally bring back almost everybody from that team. So they are probably going to be one of the top teams in the country once again. And considering the fact that South Carolina's got to play them in Connecticut, um, I just don't like their chances, at least in those kind of games, where they are facing a team that's used to playing together, that has a lot of chemistry built up, that has a rapport with one another. South Carolina's women's basketball team, we all have to remember, yes, they are uber-talented. On paper, they are still one of the top five, six teams in the country. But playing together and building a rapport with one another on the court does matter, especially in live games, and especially when you consider the fact that Don Staley is not afraid of challenging her team at this stage of her coaching career here in Columbia. So I think that they will drop that game to Utah and North Carolina, and I also think that they will drop two conference games, one on the road at Tennessee and one on the road at LSU. Same reasons. Both of those teams possess at least one or multiple star players that can take over a basketball game. And they also bring back a ton of experience from their teams that they had this past winter. So I think that South Carolina, based on that, they're going to finish 14 and two in sec play. I think that that's definitely good enough to finish second in the sec. I think they will finish right behind LSU. Again, I know that y'all don't want to hear me talk about LSU and give them credit, but listen, LSU is an even better team than they were last year, and that is a scary thought to have. 
Haley Van Lith from Louisville transfers there. Anissa Morrow from DePaul, she transfers there. Angel Reese comes back from one more season, at least. They also, I believe, have Flage Johnson, who was like the SEC Freshman of the Year. LSU is deep. They are they're crazy deep. They also brought in like two or three five stars from this past year's recruiting cycle. So that's not to say that I think South Carolina's going to go in there and just get absolutely mollywopped. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that they're going to bring the fight to LSU. But I do think that that ends up in a close loss. Either way, you slice it. I think South Carolina's still in place to have a really good season. I think that they are going to make the tournament for sure. And I think that the ceiling for this team is making it back to the Final Four. I'm not going to say win a national championship. I think making it back to the Final Four would be a great accomplishment alone for this particular team right here. But I think at the minimum, this team should make the Elite Eight. If this team does not get past the round of 16, or the Sweet 16, I should say, in my opinion, that would be a disappointment. Because again, you still do have a ton of talent here, and... As the season continues to progress, this team should get better and better and better once they have built up time with one another. So, how do y'all think South Carolina's women's basketball team is going to play this season? What is your final record prediction? What do you think about Shane Beamer's post-game pressers that he has had as of late? And what are your overall initial thoughts on the Vanderbilt Commodores? Let me know your thoughts on all those topics down below in the comment section if you watch today's show on YouTube or shoot me a direct message on Twitter at ALion underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. But as always, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show right here on the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast.